Hello, my name is Chris Edwards. I'm the Bishop of North Sydney. Um, I'd like to begin by saying thank you for allowing me into your lounge room or your study or um, onto your television or computer or however it is you're, you're picking this up. I want to say thank you uh, for, for connecting in uh, to listen to what Good Friday is about. And, uh, and I want to thank you uh, also for being willing to listen to what God's Word has to say. What we're going to do this morning is to consider what Good Friday is about. Let me pray then as we go to God's Word um, and to consider um, what the death of Jesus really means. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I do pray uh, that as we come to your Word, uh, I won't get in the way, but instead uh, you will use what I say so that people might understand the incredible sacrifice that Jesus made and why this day is called Good Friday. Amen. About two years ago, Belinda and I uh, were having some work done at our home and um, the builders were working right up and, uh, to Easter and uh, each morning uh, as Easter got closer, I was, I was really hoping that I could go and say something to them about Christianity, the gospel, about, about Easter. And, and I'd go out there with hot cross buns and I'd go out there with coffee and tea and offer them stuff so that uh, we, we could get a conversation going. And I was praying, Lord, as Easter gets closer, please give me some opportunity, some words to say so that I might speak to these people about Jesus. Anyway, um, one morning, um, there's a Thursday just before Good Friday and uh, the, they're sitting in a little circle, there's about seven of them there. And uh, the foreman, the guy in charge, uh, he, he called out, hey, Chris, i got a question for you. I thought, oh, yes, Lord, thank you for answering my prayer. They want to ask me about Jesus. And they said, yeah, i got a question. Jesus died on the Friday, right? And I said, that, that, that's, that's right. Yeah, well, then if he died, doesn't sound like a very good Friday. In fact, it sounds like a pretty, well, you can imagine the word the builder would use, uh, a, a pretty horrible Friday, um, if you ask me. And, and so I explained, it, it's good because of the outcome. No, it's not the events. The events were awful. Let me tell you, there, there is no more cruel death than a crucifixion. It, it's agonisingly slow. It's brutal in every way. That's not good. And it wasn't good because of the way that the justice uh, was, was messed up. Jesus was shown no justice by the courts that heard him. That wasn't good. No, what was good was the outcome. And so I, I took them, uh, without saying this is from Mark's Gospel, I, I took them to Mark's Gospel and I said, you know that the Bible tells us a number of things happened. Um, first of all, it tells us that Jesus, when he was killed, was killed between two criminals. And they nodded. They, they knew that. They'd seen that in pictures or artwork or stained glass windows. And I said, you know that 700 years before this happened, there was a prophet named Isaiah and he wrote these words. He said, his life will be poured out. He'll be submitted to death. He'll be numbered with the transgressors, with rebels. When Jesus is crucified on the cross, his death between two criminals, two rebels, fulfilled that, that prophecy from 700 years before Jesus. He, and, and it goes on and says, He bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressions. He paid their debt. And 
He even spoke on the behalf of those who'd broken God's laws. That's 700 years before the event. And here is the cross, Jesus in the middle, the rebels on both sides. But there was more than that. I said there was the criminals, but there's also the clouds. Well, actually, there weren't clouds. But whenever Hollywood does this scene, they put in clouds. And I remember when I was very young watching um, John Wayne as a centurion uh, standing there at the cross and, and the, the, the clouds were dark and there was lightning and wind and, and, and rain was pelting down on his face, which is all Hollywood. Because when you read the, the Bible, it doesn't mention any storm or any special effects. It simply says that at noon, everything went dark. There, there was a, a supernatural darkness. And I don't know about you, but storms can be fairly scary. But a darkness that comes with silence would be terrifying. And that's what happened. 750 years before Jesus, a prophet named Amos wrote, I will make the sun go down at noon. I will darken the land in the daytime. I will turn your feast into mourning. And I said to the builders, you realise that this darkness happened at noon. This darkness happened just as the Jewish festival of Passover was about to kick off. This, this was their big week in the year. This was like their Christmas celebration. 750 years earlier, one of their own prophets had said, when the anointed one comes, I'm going to make the, uh, from noon, the sky will go dark. And I'm going to make your festival like a time of mourning. And here it's being fulfilled. And I said, but not only, well, not only that, not only whether the criminals and the clouds or the darkness, but then there was a cry, three hours of darkness. That'd get your attention, wouldn't it? Three hours of darkness at the middle of the day. And then Jesus cries out these words. You probably know them. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They're words that were written 1,000 years before Jesus. They come from Psalm 22. Jesus was born to take upon himself the sin of the world. He takes my sin on himself. And when he does, he feels the agony of sin, being forsaken by God. J.C. Ryle writes, he uttered his dying cry under the heavy pressure of a world's sin laid upon him. He never knew sin, but he took the penalty for all sin. Uh, there was the criminals, uh, there was the cloud, there was that terrible cry, and then came a confession. A Roman centurion who was given the job of supervising crucifixion probably seen hundreds of people killed this way, probably supervised the death of so many. But this one stuns him. He's never seen anybody die like this. I, I don't mean on a cross. I mean, he's never seen anyone die in such circumstances. That supernatural darkness, that cry of dereliction, and so his confession is that surely this man is the son of God. Now, what's really interesting about that is that that title, son of God, meant something in the Roman Empire. 
It, it means something that, because it's so familiar to us, we, we don't quite grasp the weight of it. But for a Roman soldier, a centurion, to say that someone other than Caesar was the son of God was treason. This man is risking his life by saying that the one on the cross is the son of God. That's an incredible confession. And so the builders are there hanging on every word that I had. Uh, the, the criminals, uh, the cloud, the cry, the confession. And so I, I, I said to them, it's Good Friday because Jesus died to take away all my wrong, all that I've done. That's why it's a Good Friday. And the builders looked at each other and said, thanks, got up and walked away. They, they, they didn't want to accept it. <laughs> I, I think I'd given them a reasonable explanation of why it was called good, but it wasn't that good to them. They didn't want to listen to it. And I think one of the reasons they didn't want to listen to it is because they don't want that kind of saviour. They, they don't look for that kind of solution to their problems. And they certainly aren't looking for that kind of king. Because that's what the title, the Son of God, means. It, it's a title that belongs to the king of the Roman Empire, Caesar himself. And they don't want, in Australia, in the 21st century, to have a king like Jesus. You see, what kind of king is he? Well, he's a king who said, I've come not to be served, but to serve. He's not the ordinary kind of king. He's a king who comes and says, I have come to bring you into my family. I've come to lay down my life as a ransom for many. And people find that, that kind of king a hard one to accept. They don't believe that he could possibly be in charge if he's a humble servant. If he's in charge, well, stop the bushfires. I heard that so many times. If God is really in charge, why doesn't he stop these fires at the beginning of this year? If he's really in charge, why doesn't he stop the virus? The pandemic is spreading. And as I speak to you, it is accelerating in different parts of the world at rates that cannot be controlled. 2020 is really going to be a year to remember, isn't it? Fires destroyed an area in Australia larger than the country of Denmark. Drought, where's God? A pandemic, where's God? Jesus, if you're in charge, if you're the king, if you've got control of this, why don't you stop all this stuff? If you're in charge, why don't you come down off the cross and save yourself? <laughs> you see, that's exactly what is said in Mark chapter 15, verse 30. It's no different today than it was 2,000 years ago. A lot of people who don't recognise his kingship keep saying to him and challenging him and saying, why don't you do what I want? Or why don't you do a trick for us? Or why don't you give us some sort of miraculous sign? Why don't you come down off the cross and save yourself? The challenges that people make to him haven't really changed in 2,000 years. The reason? They don't want the Christ of Christianity. They want a God who will answer their wishes. 
Jesus raised a man named Lazarus who'd been dead for four days. He'd been dead in a tomb for four days. And Jesus, with a word, raised him back to life again. Now, if you're looking for a spectacular sign, which one would be more spectacular, do you think? That a man nailed to a cross but still alive could get himself down? Or that a man could walk up to a grave and say to the person lying in it, get up and come out? I tell you which one I think is more spectacular. It's the one at the cemetery. It's telling a man to get up out of death and walk out into life. That is a spectacular sign. Get down off the cross and save yourself. That, that, that's, well, that'd be big, but it's not as big as getting someone from the dead. And yet when Jesus did that, people still didn't believe. When he told Lazarus to come out, some believed. And in fact, John tells us this. Many of the Jews who were with Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. But others went to the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and told them what Jesus had done. So they gathered the whole council together, all the leaders in the city, and said, what are we going to do? This man performs many signs, and if we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away our place and our nation. They didn't want this kind of king. The builders in my front yard didn't want this kind of king. There are people today who don't want this kind of king, a king who would submit to death on a cross, a king who would come to serve and not be served. They don't want the kind of king who pays a ransom for many. And so I don't know why they would call it Good Friday. Maybe that's why many just call it Easter Friday because they actually don't know what it means. Well, I want to say to you very clearly, the reason we call it Good Friday is because Jesus really did come and die on that cross. And when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's because he had accepted on himself the penalty that I deserve. When he died on the cross, he took the sin that my, in my life, he took it on himself. When he cried, it is finished, he promised me that there was nothing more that I needed to do. Everything that was necessary is not only done by him, it's completed by him. And that's why it's a Good Friday. That's why this day is so spectacularly good. Because it is the reminder to us that Jesus Christ, the King, the Son of God, recognised by a man who was there and saw him die, the Son of God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, has taken away the sin of the world. Here is a trustworthy saying, worthy of full acceptance. Christ came into the world to save sinners. What a great day. What an incredible Friday. What a spectacular Friday. What a good Friday. Jesus had been through a week of torture He'd experienced a court case that was so grossly unjust. It's sort of written into history as a kangaroo court, a joke. And yet it happened so that my sin could be taken away. God had all of this in hand. Jesus willingly put himself on the cross so that he and I could have eternity together. And that's true for you too. We're called to accept this gift, his suffering, 
for our life. We're called to accept his love so that we can be loved by God and love each other. It's Good Friday. That's why it's Good Friday. Because Jesus has done it all. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for giving your son Jesus to us. We want to thank you, Lord Jesus, for your willingness to go to the cross. And we thank you that you have done everything necessary for us to be forgiven and to have life. Amen.